Welcome, everybody. Let's talk real estate. Your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current commercial real estate market here in Southern California. As we take a no BS look at both sides of the issues driving this market today to find the best solutions going forward. With our man right in the middle, Barry Saywitz. Hey, Barry. Hey, good morning, Paul, and good morning to all of our viewers and our listeners out there. We're back again. It is Tuesday morning, and I'm Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company, and we are here to talk some more real estate. I do want to do a shout-out to all of the maintenance guys who work for me who are running around fixing all the leaks in the windows, especially at my house. I hope it's taken care of sooner rather than later, but we are here in Southern California. Unfortunately, today is not a sunny day. We are in the middle of an atmospheric river. I don't even know what that means other than there's a lot of water, but I am excited about today's show. I'm always excited to talk about apartments and multifamily housing, so I want to welcome our guest, Laura Curry, president of Western National Property Management Company here based in Irvine in in Orange County. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Barry. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming in, and thanks for braving the weather, and we'll stay in here where it's dry as long as we can. So you've been a longtime resident of Orange County Mm -hmm. and long time in the multifamily business. We're going to talk apartments. We're going to talk housing. We'll make up some other stuff as we go. But you've seen a lot of, obviously, a lot of growth in Orange Mm -hmm. County from the time that that you were here and and watched things get developed, not only on the housing side, but on the multifamily side as well. And you've been with uh, Western National for how many years now? Uh, Going on 39. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, And so... I guess first I would ask, how did you get into real estate in the first place? <laughs> I answered a, a three-line ad in the Orange County Register for Gal Friday. Really? Yes. And uh, it said actually, Gal, like you Gal could get away Friday. with that. Then. Yes, yes. Back in '85, you could do that. And, and you only had to work on Fridays. I only had to work on Fridays, right? Uh, and it's funny because you can't you don't have that now. What man would apply for a Gal Friday? Right, right. right. Yeah. But it was just a fancy name for gopher or file clerk, and I was hired 20 minutes into the interview, and that started my career and so then you hung around obviously I did I hung around uh it took me about 18 months to figure it out that wow if actually I stayed a little late maybe came in a little earlier I might get a raise I might get someone to notice me and in Southern California that's like a big deal like I came from the Midwest and I didn't leave at five o'clock but it was a ghost town I mean Mm -hmm. nobody worked late everybody went to surf or to the beach or Absolutely. the bar or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 4.55, you're like, okay, 5 o'clock, where's happy hour? Where right, are we going? Right. You know, and you would just leave the office. There were no, you know, time clocks or anything like that. You came and, and went as you wanted to. Yeah, those were the days. Yes. And, yes. and so this is uh, mid-80s? Mid-80s, uh, 85. So the market's booming here. Everything's mm-hmm. good. It's the 80s. Yes. There's buildings going up. Yes. There's apartments going up. There's mm-hmm. housing, right? The airport's growing. All is good. Yes. Uh, until the end of the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then the whole economy takes a tank. That's when I got started. I think I started in October of 1989 in real estate, and then the market crashed in November of 1989, mm-hmm. about two weeks in. And, yes. and so, how, if you remember, how did that change uh, just the dynamic of what your company was dealing with? And- so when I started in 85, we were building a signature series of about 2,000 units, right? All looking the same, all in Orange County, South County, that sort of a thing. I actually bought my first home in 1989. In September closed in September yeah so you can imagine what happened there and it was in Riverside because that's all you could afford you couldn't afford Orange County here even then you know? even then even yeah. then and I remember at that point we just we stopped building we just stopped we made that decision 
probably one of the better decisions we've made. Yeah, and, as did everybody else, just yes. to sort of wait and see. And mm -hmm. then it was stay alive till 95, right, which was like way yes. out, right? Like I can't <laughs> even count how far out that is. And technology at that point was pretty limited. It was limited. In fact, the only staff that had these huge Apple two C's that they would bring in to the office, right? Yeah, we didn't have anything. The green letters. The right? green, right, right, right. I did. Ha I had a word processor called the Burroughs Redactron, and it had a printer that was encased in this huge cover so that you couldn't hear it. It was so loud. Right. But that was the extent of technology in, in the late eighties. Yeah, I remember I started and I needed to find office space for somebody, and I asked the other guys in the office. How do I go about finding it? There was no MLS, there was no database. And they said, they pointed to the corner and there was a giant stack of papers. And then they said, yeah, just look through those. And I'm like, how long they've been there? And they're like, I don't know. And so that was, you know, that was your technology. But so those were tough times, but then uh, the economy grows, the housing market comes back, and then all of a sudden it starts to shoot back up. And so from Western Nationals' perspective, you continue to move up the ranks, uh -huh. I take it. I right? did. I did. Uh, get your own Girl Friday. I uh, did, and, yes. And then the company itself was building and buying and managing all at the same time? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In uh, 1987, we actually took over the Irvine Company properties, and so we, we joint ventured with them. And it was uh, wonderful working with them. Absolutely, we we create actually created their their management company for them originally, but yes, we were, were a third party manager in addition to our to, to our own, and it was a great time coming out of that that early nineties. And the Irvine, I remember that the Irvine company was like outsourcing. They were. They had three. The, of that us. was a phase, right? It was a phase. Yes. And then they changed their mind. Yeah. <laughs> to come back and yes. say, no. <laughs> and the company itself started in Orange County. Mm -hmm. But then you started to spread into other areas as, uh, I guess, contacts and needs arose. Right? Yeah, we did. So we actually started in 1958, so 65 years ago. Which there couldn't have been much here then. No, there wasn't, but there was this place called Disneyland that yeah. was three years old, right? And our founder, a fellow by the name of um, Mr. Douglas, uh, said, you know what? <clears throat> I wonder where all of those employees are going to live. Let's build an apartment complex. And that's exactly what he did. He had retired from BF Goodrich got together his friends that he worked with on, on, the, on the tire line, and they went out there, they got a construction company, they were the first landscapers of our building, oh. and that's how our company was formed. Back that's an interesting 19, story. Mm -hmm, back in 1950. And as Disneyland rose and as Orange County mm -hmm. grew, mm -hmm. so did Western National. So did Western National. Yeah, we were known as IPS at the time, Income Property Services, but uh, Doug just kept doing this. It was, it was a format that worked for everyone. And we expanded in the empire probably in the early 90s, um, San Diego, Ventura County, LA, that all took a lot, a lot to grow. And, and really at the right place at the right time, yeah. because as all of these areas mm -hmm. uh, began to really grow dramatically, mm -hmm. you were there to help with the process. Yes, yes. And so today you guys manage and own uh, your own portfolio. Okay. Uh, how many properties or units and then what's the percentage of owned versus managing for somebody else? So <clears throat> Western National Group is a full service uh, real estate company. So there's a, a development company in there, there's a landscaping company and there's a construction company and then there's my company which is the management company. Management company has approximately 23,000 units under management right now. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm going to tell you about 12,000 of those are owned, and they're owned in about 90 separate limited partnerships. 
the remainder of the communities are third party. So I manage for outside owners, people who have small portfolios or one-off buildings or are just looking for a professional management company. And then you must have an accounting firm as well to take care of all of the accounting for all these partnerships. <laughs> Actually, we have, an, we have an in-house accounting department. I'll bet. But yes, we do have an accounting firm that does all of our uh, tax returns yeah, and, yeah. and K-1s and all of that every year. Mm -hmm. And so then from a uh, going forward standpoint, is mm -hmm. the business plan for the uh, at least the management company that you're spearheading, is it to continue to grow the portfolio? Are there is there any more opportunity out there? Mm -hmm. It is. And it comes from two different ways. For one is uh, grow the third party business. The second one is that if our internal company our development company wants to develop properties and we will ultimately manage those once right, they're constructed. Right. Uh, but yes, there's a big push to uh, increase our third party management out there. And are there specific markets that you're interested in or is it really all you know, one of the things that really works for us is because we are centrally located here in Orange County is that with that, you've got depth and breadth. And we love taking over properties that are very close to properties we currently have because you've got the resources there. If something goes awry, there's always a person there to help you. Yeah. So but L.A., San Diego and mm -hmm. Empire. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. is there a desire to go out of state and other places? Well, we are currently in Nevada. In 2010, we went and took over a portfolio of seven properties. And if you remember, what life was like in 2010, right? Yeah, and it was not yes, good. It was I, not I, good. I want to forget it. Not good. And these properties were really distressed. The truth is, is we worked ourselves out of a management because uh, we turned them around, we made them cash flow, and the ownership sold them, and we're left with one now. We have right, one and property that, that happens a lot. Yeah, but, but Vegas is a great market. Right, it was horrible in 2010. Yes, it was. But it is great now. Mm-hmm. And so um, will you look at other opportunities in whether it's Arizona or Nevada or mm -hmm. Texas or mm -hmm. is, is really just stick close to home? Right now, stick close to home and, and uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. We just love that, that area. And do you foresee, I guess this sort of forays into my question about where are things going in terms of the economy? Because it, it, for the last several years, certainly during COVID and then now coming out of COVID, rents have gone up, property values have gone up, mm -hmm. and now there's sort of this unknown with the high interest rates and wondering what happens with the economy. I feel like there's change coming, and as uh, some people experience some pain with their interest rates rolling or with uh, increased operating costs, that they're going to look to professionals to really take over, and that the people who are doing it themselves go, you know, this isn't that much fun anymore, mm -hmm. and I really need some help. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. Ownership is, it depends on what their goals are, but they're mostly driven by cash flow, NOI, you know, what are distributions. And they also look for asset preservation, right? It's funny, when you think about where we were prior to the pandemic, we're just rolling along, three and 4% increases, doing right. fine, right? And then the legislature uh, votes in rent control. January 1st, 2020, right? right? At the same time, we have this massive pandemic. So for two years, we had no rent growth at all. You know, we didn't increase our rents. Um, actually, when the governor shut the state down, we offered our residents, if they could pay their rent on the 1st, that they would get a 5% discount. Yeah. Because we didn't know what to expect on April 1st. No one did, right? Right. And um, the truth is, is that we continued that for three months. And, we, and I had every outside owner agree to do that in, in addition to the owned properties. We gave away $7 million in three months' time. Did it work? It worked. And it created a lot of great social media presence, which I, I, that was not my objective. It was to make sure that I could cash flow these buildings. Yeah, right? yeah. And then after that, we realized where we were going with this, and we didn't raise rents for two years. And so we come out of it, right? Now we're in 2022, and rents are starting to increase, and they're trying, they're, they're, they're leveling out from where they were, right? right? 
And here we are in 2023, 24. Now we're back to really where we were before. Yeah. We're happy with three or 4% rent increase. And it's interesting because you had inflation go up in that period Mm -hmm. in that eight to nine ridiculous percent range. Yes. You really had rents shoot up Mm -hmm. and then you had property values shoot up and you had operating expenses shoot up. So Mm -hmm. as a landlord, it's not so much, hey, I want to stick it to my tenant Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to raise the rent. That's not the case at all. Mm -hmm. I don't think. I mean, I'm curious (laughs) your thoughts, but I mean, the point is it's cash flow, right? I want to, I want to keep the property full and I want to keep it good and I want to keep my good tenants and, and not have problems and drama. But at the same time, I've got runaway costs, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's insurance in mm. today's world, whether that's trash, yes. well, right? Well, everything, and then landscaping and pools and everything else, all the labor goes up. So even doing a three or 4% increase, I'm curious, but I mean, that, that doesn't get it done for the owner at the end of the day. It's tough to keep up. Not right now, right? Particularly with the insurance um, costs. Our, we are anticipating, we're in a master package, we're anticipating 38% this year. Yeah, uh, and we renew on March first, and uh, that's because so many insurers have left California. Correct. It's very, very difficult, you know. Yeah, we've we've had properties on our side where the carrier just said, "Look, uh, based on where the property is located uh-huh. or the age, or just we need some excuse to just tell you thank you, but no thank you." Yes. And then you go out to bid, and then nobody wants it. Right. And you're looking at. I mean, we had a couple instances where it's two, three hundred percent because not only does the risk issue go up, uh-huh. you have events like today with atmosphere river and earthquake mm-hmm. and fire and flood and all of that but you also have the issue that the construction costs for replacement yeah. are so much higher with inflation and in, in today's world that the carrier has to insure it at a higher number which means the owner is just paying more yes that, right? yeah so you have you have that the premium addition and then you have that uh, cost per square foot yeah increase in value and it's just right to the bottom line yes so yes. Mm-hmm. I know it well and so then you combine that. And so what do you say to owners from a general perspective in terms of what's the overall business plan? Do I stay full? I have to stomach it. Maybe it will, you know, it should get better. Hopefully it will get better. I mean, there's not much else to do, right? Other than sell. Heck, you could do my job. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what you do. The best thing you can do for ownership is just educate them because the reason you're managing is because they either don't know how to or don't want to. And if you keep them informed and keep communicating with them, it's the best thing you can do. Yeah, and we've had other folks in here, and I said, well, if it's so miserable, you know, they asked me, well, why don't you just sell and, you know, get out? Mm-hmm. And then the answer is, what would I do with the money? I would ha- pay a lot of taxes. Where else can I get a return? I can't put it in the stock market. It's right. too volatile. And so, right. look, long term, if you're in it for the long term, mm-hmm. then you'll be fine. But there are storms, and yes. you have to weather you them. You have to weather them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so from a perspective of the tenant side of things, as far as technology goes, so, you know, we're well past the pile of paper in the corner these days. I'm assuming you guys have an online portal with all kinds of good stuff that mm-hmm. you provide in terms of information to the tenants, as well as fancy ways to pay rent or get laundry credits or other yes. things like that. Yeah, just to maintain relevancy in the market. Absolutely. I can't even tell you how many software programs we have in play right now. Yeah. Uh, there are so many. And it's funny, too, with the pandemic, we really had to communicate with residents where you would put a, a note on their door. You don't do that anymore, right? You right. S- you send them a text or an email and you do that through certain... Well, the note's last resort, right? Right, if right. I, yeah. I can't reach other. I <laughs> keep yes. some tape handy. Yes. But the uh, but but I have found that the communication between landlord and tenant or manager, property mm-hmm. manager and tenant uh, is much better for those who want to have access to it. You certainly have some tenants who choose not to. But for those yes. who want to get information, your job as the property manager is to make sure they have it, right? Yes, absolutely. They log into the portal, they put in their maintenance requests if they have any, they leave a message for the manager, assistant manager, facilities manager. 
Right, uh, and yes. hopefully those days of the two o'clock knock on the door for the onset, right? Yes. You try to anyway. Yes. And so, where do you see the technology side of things going? I think it's ever evolving, and mm-hmm. I just I think that the ease of information will continue. Yes. Well, particularly with AI, right? Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure we know where it's going at this point. You know, my my forte is is people and property management. Um, the technology side of when when AI settles down and it gets to be much more reliable. Uh, is something that we'll look at as well. And in terms of the staff and just sort of the corporate culture, mm-hmm. is it, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is it customer service? I mean, it seems like it, it has to be at the end of the day. It absolutely has to be at the end of the day. For many years prior to the pandemic, uh, we ranked number one in the nation, actually close to seven years, uh, in mystery shopping. And, and, and what we would do, we would engage Ellis Mystery Shopping Services and compete on a national level against 72 other property management firms and came out number one seven years in a row and the reason for that is that someone walks into the office and we literally stand up and shake their hand and say hi we're happy you're here how can we help you we train that of an entire training department that trains how to lease an apartment how to create that customer service level um how to how to make that contact yeah and a lot of times that's the difference between making a deal with somebody and not making a deal oh i like the person who showed me around or they were very friendly it seems like a nice place to live the people I met, right? Yes, and, yes. Um, all the phone calls are recorded, so all of our associates know that this is kind of their test, right? Many, many years ago, we actually had a manager who said, well, do you want it or what, yeah, right, when right. it comes to the apartment? Right, um, open the door. Here it is. Here it is. Think? There, yeah. Yeah, those days are long gone. Uh, yeah. Now, having said that, there are many people who want to tour themselves. You don't establish that connection when that happens, but yeah. I get that there. that might be a generational issue as well. Yeah, and probably a lingering effect of COVID yes. also, right? Yes, so. yes. I'll leave it open for you. Go see what you think and mm-hmm. call me. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, so here we are, right? Where I, I, I call it the post-COVID. Yes. Where, like where I, I feel like while COVID's still a thing, uh, we're past all the implications of it, but we're mm-hmm. on to new issues, right? Yes. So, so I want to talk rent control for a minute because as a landlord, I say not a good thing. And I say I understand the desire to protect the tenant and mm-hmm. I understand the desire to protect the tenants rent from getting run away and, and going up. But I also am a big fan of free market uh, and allowing people to make a deal. And if they can't make a deal, they'll go someplace else and make a deal somewhere else. Yes. I'm curious what you hear in terms of feedback from your folks and whether that really even becomes an issue because the rent control in today's world is almost 9%. Mm-hmm. And if you're not charging 9%, then it really doesn't even come into play at the moment. Right, right. I know that legislation tried to help with that in 2020. You know, here's the unfortunate part is that the affordable side of our business. So I've got a portfolio of roughly 3000 units that are affordable buildings. When the inflation numbers came out in 2021, right, they were 12 percent. We did not put those increases through and ownership of the buildings agreed with us not to do that. How fair was that? Right. We can live with the current 1482. We can do that. The problem is, is that we're constantly battling like the Weinstein initiative that's coming in 2024, right? Yeah. Um, to even lower rents even more without the understanding of the, the inflation portion, like the insurance issue that we just discussed, right. right? And the cost of doing business. It's not as if we are running around, uh, you know, making money hand over fist. It, it's right. Although like that's that. the perception. It's really not the case. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The big bad landlord. I right. understand that, right? Um, but it's always about the resident first. And in, in, in anything that we do. Yeah, and, and in terms of making upgrades or improvements to the properties mm-hmm. on an ongoing basis, I mean, you have that cost, Yes. right? I need to make the property look good. Now, number one, I don't want deferred maintenance, but number two, if it looks nice, it will help stay full and 
keep my tenants happy. Absolutely. You know, capital expenses and long-term preservation, you know, are number one. So we don't make any more rent money when we re-roof a building, right? right? Or re-side it. Right. right, and the tenant doesn't pay for that. They don't pay for that. And I don't know that they appreciate it unless it's a day like today, you know, right. when it's, you know, raining cats and dogs. But there's a lot of money that's being invested back into the building just to maintain yeah. And then the problem is if your costs are going up, whatever the percentage is, mm. it's certainly more than three or 4%. Yes, it is. And so then you're, it's just right to the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. no one, I think, really seems to understand that at the end of the day, not not the tenant, nor the powers that be in terms of what they're doing. And so that, that makes it difficult, I think, on owners. And then now you have this new thing where you have individual cities that have come out and have said, hey, I don't even like that rent control. I want even more restrictive rent control. I'm not even sure why. There was a rent control in place. Why do you need another layer? Mm-hmm. But you have things like that, whether there's the new stuff in Costa Mesa or the rent control in Santa Ana or even the city of Long Beach, mm-hmm. uh, Los Angeles. Yes, and, and I have properties in all of those areas, including Ventura County and Oxnard. Yeah. And it is, it's like rent control whack-a-mole is what I call it. Yeah. Because you do have these individual cities that, you know, they, they have the, the right idea but I don't know that they have all the information they need before they start passing all of this re- regulation. Yeah, and, and I think you'll start to see, especially as people struggle, uh, and it may not be you mm-hmm. or your owners, but I think the mom and pop guys yes. who can't afford to keep up with the operating expenses and then can't afford the rent uh, are really in a pinch. Yeah, you said it right. Yeah, yeah. And, and then it really disincentivizes, I think, that mom and pop owner from fixing up the building Mm -hmm. or the unit. Hey, I won't put new carpet in because I can't even raise your rent 10 bucks. Right, right, exactly. So I think those are, those are the challenges. And I think there's other things coming. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts. We have a show coming up. uh, I think it's next week where we're talking about the new AB and I forget the number, but with the balconies and the staircases. Oh, that would be 721. Okay. You got it better than me. Yes. uh, And actually your inspections need to be completed by year end. Yes. that uh, I know. We started that five years ago. Really? Uh, yes. And it, it's it's intrusive because it's destructive testing, right? So if you have an older building that's got asbestos and stucco, right, you've got to go through all kinds of uh, maneuvers in order to get that testing done, you know, and it's it's very, very expensive. We are almost completed with our entire portfolio. That's a, it's a huge undertaking. Mm-hmm. And there are companies that specialize in just doing that. If you have your own construction yes. company, then you're better than most but no question it's unnecessary I mean, maybe it's necessary if there's deficiencies but it's just an added cost I think. that is true now our construction company builds apartments so they don't do any of the, the work yeah company. any of the capex work we have a we have a project managers from the from the capex department but our construction company builds actually a majority of the product for the irvine company and for lewis out in inland empire and Rancho Santa Margarita uh, area, the Rancho Mississippi Company, and that's what they focus on. However, having said that, is we also engage third parties for SB 721 so that we're not self-dealing, so that that we actually get an independent opinion as to what the building looks like on the inside. Yeah, it's okay. interesting. And then in terms of the development side, now mm-hmm. I know that's not your thing, there's a different company, but is the development continuing with this basically, the, to me, to me for lack of a better word, the supply-demand curve Mm -hmm. sort of trumps the fact that the economy is struggling along. I mean, there is a need for housing, and so as long as there's a need, I think there'll be people that continue to build. Yes, absolutely. We have three projects under development now, um, equaling close to 800 units. And do you find that the leasing or the pre-leasing on those is still fairly vibrant? Mm -hmm. Yes, we start pre-leasing between three and six months in advance. And um, you'll find that prospective renters, particularly ones who choose to live that way and want to rent, 
um, are excited for new product to come into the market. And I'm assuming you do uh, some fairly extensive studies on who your customer is, yes. and, and it would depend on the demographic and the geographic location and, and, and all of that. But is there a theme or a trend that you've seen um, in terms of renters being uh, younger folks versus uh, people that are selling their home and then just don't want to go back in and buy a new one? Or is there a particular group that, that has, uh, since COVID, I guess, been more the renter than they were before? No, I would say not. Um, they, they come in all ages and for all different reasons. Uh, if anything, I think more, more of our renter groups now are animals, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, we have a ton of residents who have pets. And, you know, given current California legislation, all they have to do is say, you know. Service uh, animal. Service animal and they don't pay rent. Right, right. right. They don't pay rent. Or deposit um, or. Or deposit or, you know, any of that. Um, and, and we get it. We understand. But we actually have seen more more animals than anything else, believe yeah. it or not. And uh, it seems like uh, it, in terms of the people that are renting, most of it is just either I don't want to own or I really just can't afford to own. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and mm-hmm. so then I, that's what it is. And, yes. and that becomes, uh, while well, uh, if you go back a generation, the whole desire and goal was home ownership, it right? Was. I got to buy a home. And I, I think that's sort of out the window these days. Uh, yeah. And there, but there's a freedom in renting as well. You know, right. to pick, pack up and go wherever you want, to, right. you know, if your job takes you there. Or even, you know, with remote workers, you know, they can live where, wherever they want to. That's true. And didn't, do you find that people with where they're living, they obviously want, would prefer to live closer to home than versus getting on the freeway and doing a big commute. Yes. And so that makes a difference, I guess, as well. Yes. I read somewhere that our freeway system is about 25 years behind what our population is and, and, and the use of of the vehicles. And so, you know, you're always going to run into that, particularly in Orange County and L.A. County, right? Yeah. You know, uh, even getting into Orange County from Riverside County. Right. Know? Well, you did it a while back. Yes. Probably was a piece of cake. Then. It was. The, you know, the express lane hadn't been invented yet. Right. right? I um, but I do remember leaving the house at 530 in the morning so I could get to the office early. And no one was on the road. But no, today, if you yes. leave at 530 in the morning, it's still a parking lot. It is. It is. Yes. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I know yeah. the drive. Yeah. So, <laughs> so where do you see, I, I guess let's talk uh, at least for the next 12 months, right? Mm-hmm. So that you must have a 2024 game plan in terms mm-hmm. of the business. What is the short-term goal in terms of just dealing with uh, all of the things that are on your plate for the company? Typically, our, our short-term goal is... <sighs> Actually, it's twofold. So we've got minimizing expenses because we're we're not increasing our our rents. You know, the market's not calling for. You know, if we if we see three or four percent this coming year, that's good, but that's not going to take the place of what we're seeing on the expense side and the inflationary right. numbers, right? Secondarily, one of, one of the major initiatives that the company has is that we went into partnership with the Anaheim Ducks organization, oh. the, the hockey team and uh, created uh, ducksliving.com. And so our owned properties uh, have their own website um, with the ducks. And so if you go to a game and you see Ducks Living, you'll see us there. All right, right I'll yeah. keep an eye on uh, And so that's been a major focus to make that work. It's a three-year commitment with the ducks. Uh, we've enjoyed it so far. It's been so much fun. They've created commercials for us and we absolutely love the entire team. Oh, that's a neat concept. Yeah, it is, it is. So that's been a very big focus to make that one work. And I'm assuming stay full, keep your tenants happy, right? Try and cut costs. Typical, yes, yes. Although it depends on what ownership wants. Sometimes um, they, uh, I have owners that want to be 100% full, and I don't recommend that because it means you're not either raising the rents or doing it right, right? We like 95.5. So if we're 95% occupied and have 5% availability, then we're we're comfortable with that. 
and know how to accommodate the rents from that point. You know? and, and what have you seen now in this sort of post-COVID era in terms of defaults or people falling down? Has it slowed down? Are we past it? Or is there still a certain percentage of people that think always will struggle? I mean, there's always somebody who can't pay the rent. There is. There is. Um, during the pandemic, we had approximately $42 million of unpaid rent portfolio-wide. But probably not a lot of vacancy. Uh, not a lot of vacancy. Because nobody wanted to move. No, no. But now we're carrying them. Right, right. right. Through the governmental assistance, we gained about $22 million back. Yeah. But unfortunately, they made it so difficult that it, we go in and fill out an application, and if our resident doesn't go in, then we never see any of that rent money. True. You know, just there were flaws in the system. So we've taken that $20 million and basically just written it off and started fresh. Now, do we see defaults? Yeah, not so much anymore. But yeah, there are a couple. We're back to pre-pandemic times. Yeah, and I, I find that the eviction process, while well, that is not a fun one for landlord or tenant, mm -mm. And, and really uh, everybody loses in that process. Yes. But that process, while it was non-existent during COVID or took six or nine or 12 months shortly after COVID, mm -hmm. uh, I find that that process is now back to a 75 to 90 day process if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. And and if you're not so lucky, it's not that much more than that, but it, it's back to more of a normalized sort of a setup. Yeah, unlucky it, would be about six months. Yeah, yes. and, mm -hmm. and so then it, it also, I hopefully it puts perspective for everyone to understand that, hey, I don't get to live here for free for three years again. Yes. And and I have to figure something out one way or the other. Yes. But I think that's always a challenge, but at the same time, when the market is tight, which it really is, mm -hmm. and so if you're a tenant, I, I feel bad when people say, hey, I'm, I'm looking for, I need something bigger, I need something smaller, and mm -hmm. then we say, uh, I'm sorry, I don't have anything, I can't accommodate you. Yeah. You you probably do, I should have them call you. But, <laughs> but then they have to go out and look, and it, it's tough to find you know, mm -hmm. what what you want at mm -hmm. a price that makes sense. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and I think Orange County as a place to live uh, will continue to be attractive, even though it's expensive. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious your thoughts as to where you see the economy as a whole leading up to the election. Mm -hmm. It's still going to be the same sort of dynamics. I mean, Orange County is a little bit of a bubble anyway. It is its own little bubble, isn't it? Yes. Um, I'd like to think so, at least <laughs> the people who live here. Right? <laughs> I don't see a lot changing between now and the election. Uh, people like just to hold, sit back, and wait and see. Yeah. They like they like that play. I think, um, if anything, people are looking forward to getting back to normal, whatever the, that new normal is. You know, for us, it's like, okay, let's control our expenses because we can't yeah. uh, control labor, uh, cost of construction, and insurance, right? So what can we do? Right? And, and on the labor side, I want to ask you quickly, since I know we're running out of time, but the idea of people coming back to work. Mm -hmm. Where are you today in that process, and is it segregated based on departments? And I mean, some people have to come to work. Yes, yes, they do. So, uh, I think it was March nineteenth that the governor declared, you know, shelter in place, and right. and um, we have a communication tree at the office where I go to my VP and his four RVPs, and then it it, it dribbles down to six hundred people, right? listen, we're an essential business, report to work tomorrow, right, right? right? And we did. I only had one facilities manager said, can I work from home? <laughs> like, no, I don't think so, yeah. right? And we worked the entire time, right? Because we had to, now we made some changes, maybe the office might've been locked or we'd put up these barriers in between us, but um, we were there the entire time. Support departments in the management company, like accounts payable and HR and training and all that, they could be remote. Right. We started bringing them back in 2022, right? We have very few remote workers left at this point. People actually moved out of the way, out, out of the area. Right, right. and and you know, as a business owner or somebody's running the business, 
you want the synergy of having yes. people interacting with mm -hmm. other people. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that just feeds for the corporate culture and, and get stuff done quicker. Absolutely. And there's a lot of mentoring that goes on too. You know, it's hard to recommend someone for, for promotion if you never see them other than on a Zoom where they look good from here up, right? right, right, you know? right. Um, and there's something to be said about that interaction. You mentioned the culture, um, getting people um, to, to be the better version of themselves in front of others. And you can only do that when you're together. Yeah, and, and you're the living version of promoting from within, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. having started as the Gal Friday and now running the whole shebang. Yes. Uh, and so I'm assuming that's also something that's important within your own organization is continue to promote from within and then you know, try and hire good people starting fresh that'll do the same thing? Absolutely. Um, there is something to be said about bringing in fresh blood every once in a while, but the truth is I am, I am an example of that. Um, I mentioned before we've got this huge training and marketing department, right, where we literally will train you for every skill you need uh, in order to keep you with us. Now, some people take that training and they go off and they have good careers at other companies and right. that's okay. But I believe in karma and, and it, it comes back to you in some other way, right? I think that... For us, particularly during the pandemic, the connection, because people were so remote, I started sending an email in, I think it was March 18th, that was my first one, and 587 days later, I stopped. There was a daily email to a thousand people, talking either about the pandemic or new eviction uh, laws or prevention or uh, they even turned into memes toward the end, you right. know, you know, looking forward to, you know, walking down this aisle and the aisle was a picture of an empty Disneyland, right? Yeah. You know, that kind of a thing. And that's how we kept that connection together during all that time. And that people felt that they really were wanted and we needed them to be there. Right? Yeah. Um, so. And, and now going forward, it's uh, we're back, so to speak, and, and we get stuff to do. In person, yeah. right? You yeah. know, so nothing really replaces in person, but when you can maintain that connection, uh, you, you do it at, at any cost. Good. Well, look, I told you to go quick and it always does. Wow, and it did. Paul's waving at me like, hey, he's, <laughs> he wants to take a break or something. <laughs> How can people find out more information uh, about the company? What's the website? A couple of ways. Um, WNG.com or WNPMapartments.com. And, well, one more, DucksLiving.com. Great. And so I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your thoughts and talking about the company. And uh, I wish you and your family and the business much continued success and uh, stay dry out there along with everybody else. But I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. So great spending the time with you, Barry. Thank yeah. you. Good. So I am Barry Saywitz. If you didn't remember, uh, we are back here again next week. We will talk more real estate. We appreciate you for tuning in. Thanks again to everybody here at OC Talk Radio for making the show happen. And we'll see you next time on Let's Talk Real Estate. There you have it. You've been listening to Let's Talk Real Estate, your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in Southern California. On Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio, streaming live from our studio here at the University of California Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center. <laughs>